Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is January the 9th, 2014, and this is episode 1278 of the Survival Podcast. Sometimes it... uh. It even just hits me a little bit when I when I say the episode number, and I, I remember saying things like, this is episode four in my car back in 2008, and to think that we're this far along, and I've got a great episode for you guys today. Um, we're not calling it a woman of prepping series, but it, it kind of is, and I've tagged it that way so it'll show up with the other uh, interviews that we did with uh, the women of prepping, and that's probably something we should do again and, and get more gals on, because this one was a great one. Uh, gal I have on today is named Beth Warford, and she's here to talk about self-defense and firearms training from a female perspective. She's actually an NIA, NRA certified instructor, uh, and uh, she is actually um, an NRA certified instructor in the disciplines of uh, pistol instructor in personal protection in the home, and that's the she's the first and only uh, currently uh, certified female in uh, North Dakota with that certification. So, kind of a pioneer, and she was a great interview. Loved having her on. I'll have her here for you in just a moment, and I think that uh, you'll get a lot out of it. Before we uh, do that, Lou, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsor. Sponsor of the day number one today is Jeff, the Berkey guy, Gleason. Uh, you know, what are you going to get from the Berkey guy? It, it, it might shock you to realize that the Berkey guy sells Berkey water filtration systems. Um, you know, I just had John Bush on yesterday discussing the problems with fluoride in our water. And uh, there's a second set of filters you need to add to your Berkey to get the fluoride and arsenic out because they're handled differently than other things that could be in your water. But uh, you can do that, too, with a Berkey. Uh, Berkeys are awesome. We use our Berkey every day. We have a well and a water softener. And our water is pretty dead gone good by the time it comes out of our spigot. We still put it through the Berkey. And I'll tell you what, if nothing else, it just tastes better. Um, I've been using a Berkey now for f four years, I guess, since I got my Berkey from Jeff. And I think most people understand that when it comes to a solution to make water safe to drink, whether it's daily or in a disaster, Berkey's hard to beat for looking great, for price, for value, for long-term durability. There's nothing to fail. Um, there's no moving parts. But why get your Berkey from Jeff, the Berkey guy, Gleason? Well, who the heck else would you get your Berkey from? Why would you go to anybody but the Berkey guy to get your Berkey? Seriously, though, Jeff is a maniac at customer service. He does a really great job. He's been supporting this show now for a very, very long time. We're lucky to have him as part of the team. And uh, he also has other great things for your prepping needs. You can find him at directive21.com. That's the website, again, is directive21.com. You don't have to spell out 21. It's just directive and then the number 2, then the number 1, then a .com. Uh, next up today, J.M. Bullion. J.M. Bullion was the provider of silver and gold that I found when I had to let go another sponsor. We had a sponsor that got into kind of a network marketing thing and was emailing the audience about telling your friends to buy silver for three times what it's worth so you can get a free coin or some crap like that. And I decided that we just weren't going to have a sponsor that did that. So I also felt like you know silver and gold are so important to preparedness as being part of your overall portfolio that I needed to have a sponsor in that business. So I went out to find the best deals I could on silver and gold and best reputations. Two companies that I found that you know kind of really fit the bill decently were Monix and Atmex. But when I talked to those companies, do you know what I got from them? Pfft, we don't care. Send it to our marketing guy. Uh, when I talked to Jam Bullion, I got to talk to the president of the company. Then I checked his pricing. It was better than either Monix or Atmex. I was done. I was sold. If he wanted the spot, he could have it, and he chose to take it. So if you're looking for a good supplier of silver and gold, Jam Bullion's hard to beat on price and on service. And, you know, there's hiccups in everything. There was a big ice storm last month. Some orders got behind, uh, things like that. But I had a couple, cust uh, a couple customers from my end reach out and say, hey, what's up with Jam, man? I got an order in. I haven't got it yet. I'm not hearing back. Pop the email over to Michael, uh, who's the president of the company, and boom, taken care of. That's what I'm looking for in a sponsor, and uh, it's great to have sponsors like JM and the Berkey guys. Check them out today. 
if you haven't recently. Next up, I want to let you guys know I put two new things into the Member Support Brigade for you guys yesterday that are members of discounts. Um, screwed up the link on one of them. And uh, the first one is simply cleansing. Now, those of you that know Patrick Rohrman, uh, who is the guy behind MT Knives, Simply Cleansing is, is a company that he and his wife Emily own, and they do aromatherapy stuff, and they do incredibly awesome soaps. And uh, they have a discount for you guys now in the Member Support Brigade. Uh, you can check out there and get a great discount on a product that's already uh, a really great product. 15% is a significant discount. Next up, I'm really, really excited for my intern, Josiah Wallingford. He's finally got Brink of Freedom magazine out, ready to roll. You can buy it. It's an electronic magazine. Uh, subscription is $29 a year. And I have to say, I'm big fans of a lot of magazines in our niche. I really am. Um, I close personal friends publishing magazines. Uh, when Joe came to me and told me he was going to do this as a magazine, I was like, I, I really don't know, man, because you've got some stiff competition. And when he said he was going to do this electronic magazine, I was like, well, I think that's smart. But I don't know how well you'll be able to compete with people that are you know, doing a print publication. Well, he's put something together with 12, 12 issues a year that is phenomenal. Uh, I have to say, it's kind of blown away all the competition. I, I really mean that. Some people might be upset with me over that, but I just think, um, and I think it's because he's gone electronic and there's no printing costs and things like that, the amount of content. There's no need to force an author to take 100 words off a great article. You can put as many pictures as you want. It is beautifully done. Absolutely beautifully done. He got a professional graphics artist. This guy believes in what he's doing enough. I'll, I'll tell you, behind the scenes, uh, he made a barter deal with a designer to develop the templates and everything and the first edition. Uh, that he, there's no way he could have afforded you know, working on a stipend that I have him on here um, and bartered away, uh, I won't say what, but a significantly valuable personal possession to get that done. Uh, that's commitment. So if, if you want to really help out a guy that's busted his ass for me uh, and done a great job, consider subscribing to Brink of Freedom magazine. Uh, $29, bucks, it's a deal. 12 issues a year is going to be awesome. Uh, the content is just phenomenal. It's, it's content right off of Brink of Freedom blog, but it's all put together as a magazine. Uh, but if you're an MSB member, you get it for $23.20. If you saw the announcement yesterday and tried to order and couldn't figure out how, it's because I screwed up the link in the MSB. So uh, if you go in there now, I've got it fixed. Uh, check check it out, though, and uh, man, a big kudos to Joe for, for doing just an awesome job. Um, real quick before I, uh, before I uh, get into our interview, I want to read you. I, I did this before, but I want to read this to you again. Uh, the introduction that I wrote for edition one of Brink of Freedom. I think it really encapsulates what Joe is, is trying to do with Brink of Freedom as a whole. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Is it calling you? Are you on the brink of it? My friend, do you even remember her name? Let me whisper it to you. Freedom. Is there a more beautiful word? Yet in our modern society, words like freedom and liberty are bantered around by those who impose their will upon others. Long ago, those in power determined that rather than to enslave a man in chains, it was better to have your prisoner build his own cell and teach his chil children that a decorated cell was the equivalent of liberty. To consider which mobile metal coffin took them to and fro to a job they hated as a symbol of status. To truly believe that a life was best lived in pursuit of what another told them would make them happy someday. Today, a once mighty and independent people resemble more a field of sheep rather than a nation of bold and independent men and women. A people who have been stripped of knowledge about the real world, stripped of an understanding of the virtue of true work, and worst of all, stripped of the skills that make a person truly independent. Yet we are not a nation of sheep. No, we are a nation of humans. Burning in each of our hearts is the true being, one that was designed and optimized for freedom. Slowly, an awakening is upon us. The prisoners are asking questions reclaiming what they have lost, and now many are standing at the brink of freedom. Enjoy the journey. Um, that was easy to write. That might not sound like something easy to write. That might not sound like something you just whip out in a couple minutes. 
It was easy to write, though, because it fit the mission. And when you know the mission, it's easy to write a description of it. And with that, let's uh, get into the main topic of today's show. Um, I am really excited to introduce our guest to you. Again, her name is Beth Warford. Her company is called PrettyLoaded.org. She's an awesome lady. She has an awesome perspective. And those of you guys out there that are constantly telling me that you have females in your lives that say, I don't understand guns, I don't know why you would have to have one, they're dangerous, I don't want to be around them, etc. Man, this, this would be an episode to share with them, especially everything that you're about to hear from this point forward, is I say, hey Beth, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thank you, I'm glad to be here. Hey, um, I've got you on to talk about self-defense for women and carrying and all kinds of cool stuff like that and uh, in, in what you're doing. But yeah, I, I always um, find that it, that it helps the audience kind of connect if we start out with just kind of how'd you get to where you are. I mean, it's probably not likely that you were eight years old and, and said, when I grow up, I'm going to teach women to uh, defend themselves with firearms. So what kind of led you down this path in the first place? Okay, well, well, that's interesting that you said I wasn't eight years old. Um, but an, an interesting story in my life was when I was eight years old, my my best friend's mother was murdered right behind our home. Oh wow! Um, in a small town in North Dakota, and um, he went on to murder three other people. And um, for some reason, in the early '80s, I got to go look at the crime scene a week later. And I, I saw the bullet holes. I saw the blood on the carpet. Um, so from the age of eight, I began to be very, very fearful. And um, I was fearful pretty much my entire life um, until I met my my now husband when I was uh, 21. Um, he told me I needed to, to get a gun, and he, he taught me how to shoot a gun. And I got my very own house, and for the first time in my life, I actually felt safe. Wow, and um, I guess then eventually that led you uh, from from just being someone that carried to someone that wanted to teach folks? Well, yeah, actually, um, so I, I've been carrying for 18 years, and I was, I was um, an ICU nurse for children, and um, I was in very dangerous cities, and so I, I always carried my gun in my car to work. But that's not what led me to actually start this. Actually, a year ago, um, I was at a I was at a hockey game, and um, here in North Dakota, and I was with my seven and four year old, and someone actually was stalking me the entire game, and he actually almost attacked me, and um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I actually froze. I, I had my gun in my purse. There were people all around me, and I was holding my daughter's hand. My girls were crying. And and I froze. I, I had so much training with guns, but I had never had training with, with verbal defense or anything else. And um, I believe the only reason I didn't get attacked is because my brother walked into the game late and he walked up to me and, and the guy took off. But um, on the way home, my girls were crying and I was shaking and I called my husband and I said, you know what, this gun thing isn't good enough. I need to, I need to learn martial arts. I, I said I need to, um, because at that point I realized what time do you, what, in public, when do you take your gun out mm-hmm. and shoot somebody? And especially when you have your, your children around. And, and I just, um, I needed to have a backup plan. And so I, I um, joined Krav Maga the next day. And that, that kind of changed my life. And I started to empower all my friends, all my babysitters. And, um, and then I decided to, um, to start a company. You know, it, 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 it's it's kind of surprising, I think, maybe for many people to hear you, you talk about this. I mean, you're from North Dakota. Right. Um, it's supposed to be like one of the safest places to live in the country, right? Yeah, absolutely. But um, since I'm not sure if you're aware of the big oil boom in North Dakota, but there's a huge oil boom here. And it's, it's not it's great for the economy, but it has brought um, a lot of transients. And so there are so many transients floating around, and actually crime has really, really increased um, since the oil boom. And um, I, a lot of my friends were asking me how to shoot a gun, and gun sales to women has just skyrocketed here in North Dakota. But there's there was really no place to teach them um, here in Bismarck 
um, you know, use a gun. And so I just started thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm extremely busy with my children and another business, but if, if I have a gift to give and if I save just one person from a rape or from being hurt, then, then I've done a wonderful job. What have you discovered is unique about um, not just teaching women how to use guns, but women teaching women how to use guns. And, and, and does that have any impact on, you know, maybe converting women who aren't fans of guns? It drives me nuts when I hear women like, oh, they're dangerous. And it's like, you, you drive a car every day, you know, and it's, it's all about how it, it's handled. But, you know, your, your examples here, uh, of things that you've experienced in your life, and there's there's definitely things I've experienced in my life that have convinced me that self-defense is critically important, but there does seem to be a lot more of that, oh, they're dangerous, I don't want them around, I don't like them among females than there is among males. And, you know, in your in your teaching, have you, you know, experienced that? And, and how has that worked out, given that you yourself are a, a female? Right. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think... Um I think there's a huge difference with women teaching women because um, women are much more emotional and men are more logical. Women need to know every single part of the gun and how it works, and they kind of have to get into it. And you're right. They, they're generally afraid of guns, but but I tell them, you know, it's it's just like teaching your child how to swim. You know, you um, the lake is very dangerous, but you need to teach your child how to swim so they so they can swim and save themselves and a gun won't just go off and accidentally shoot you. Um, but the biggest thing a lot of women say to me is, well, what if I drop my gun and somebody uses it on me? And I always tell them that, you know, somebody doesn't decide to kill you just because they, they picked up your gun that you just dropped. It takes a very, very evil person to just kill you. They kill you with your bare hands. So they're not going to kill you just because you dropped your gun. Well, that's odd to me because that is, that actually would be that is why you need a gun, right? right? I mean, like, like the fact that you so you've just told me not you personally, but the person you're talking about, this you know random woman we're inventing out of thin air here, that right. you are aware that people like this exist, right? And to me, that is the very reason that women above all, I think women have greater need to carry a gun than men personally. Um, I, you know, some people will say it's sexist or whatever, but flat out, the average man is bigger and stronger than the average woman. And right. because of that, women are targeted for crime, not just for, you know, sexual crime, but for crime, period. It's, if I'm a criminal, I'm looking in a parking lot, and I see a dude getting into a car that's about my size, and I see he's got a wallet in his back pocket, that's one possible person I could, you know, rob. And I see a smaller female digging through her purse trying to find her keys. Right. I'm going to go there. That's easier. It's faster. It's easier to take from her. She's not organized. And that's a typical scenario. And to me, that woman needs, I think everybody should carry if you can legally do so, but that woman has a greater need of this implement than that guy does. Absolutely. And, and just, you know, looking at the statistics of how many women are actually targeted, I mean, 66% of women will be assaulted at some time in their life. And, the rapes that are going on in America right now, it's horrendous. And I don't know if you have a lot of sexual predators where you live, but I... They're everywhere. There's no I, place without them. I, I, it's, just, it's just unbelievable to me. And I agree with you 100%. Women absolutely need to be caring, and they need to protect their family. And, you know, it, it's just like anything else. If you learn how to use it, it's the ultimate equalizer for a woman compared to a man, because like you said, men are much stronger than women. I think if we had a few more rapists with holes in their heads, we'd have a few less rapes um, as well. I think there's a huge deterrent there, and you know, I, I know that no one really wants to take another person's life, but I, I, to, to me, if you're the victim, the, the alternative is to be a greater victim, and I, I just don't see it. Um, I wanted to ask you about something because I know that you've, I think, trained with Frank Sharp. He's a uh, sponsor of our show, Fortress Defense Consultants, and uh, he kind of specializes in training women. So what was your experience like with him? Actually, uh, Frank with Fortress Defense and Vince and Tommy, they were absolutely amazing. I was 
probably I had shot my AR-15 only a handful of times from a bench rest with my husband. And um, they came in, and, and I can honestly tell you that I was extremely proficient with my AR-15. Um, it was quite an ad- adventure, and their safety is number one, but they are, they are just awesome. And we're, we're actually having them back out um, in May. You know, you're training yourself now, and I think one of Frank's big beliefs is that the trainer should be trained often and should train often. So, like, even though he runs a school, he goes to other schools, and he they require that all of their instructors take at least one course a year at a different school. Um, do you kind of see value in that as well? Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely valuable to keep on learning because, you know, if you ever stop and think that, that you're the expert or you know everything, that's when you, that's when you're in trouble. I think, I really believe that you have to keep on going and learning because everybody has something new to teach you. You know, one of the big things that I've struggled with getting women that are in my life on board with beyond the defense thing is to pay the hell attention to what's going on around them. Situational awareness. Um, I've told this story before, but it's the the, the most classic example of, of this that there could be. There was a day that my wife and my son and I were walking down a street in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is generally a safe place, but has some pretty bad areas as well, a lot of uh, gang activity. And um, I was wearing a watch, I was wearing a ring, we were dressed nicely, and we had parked a bit away from the place we were actually going because we weren't sure where it was. And when we realized it, we just figured, hell, we'll walk, it's a couple blocks, we'll walk down there. So we're walking by, and there's this group of Hispanic men, uh, on the side of the road. I don't think they particularly were any threat whatsoever. But as we're walking by, the guy looks right at me, looks at my ring, looks at my watch, looks in my eyes, and gives me that look of, really? You know, th- not not a threatening look, just like, dude, right? Why are you here? Right. And I spun my wife around. We went back to the truck. We drove straight to the front door of the place we were going. We did not go. We went in the door, out the door in the truck, and away. And her response was, I was overreacting, and don't you have your gun anyway? And I'm like, I, I don't really want to shoot anybody. I don't want a violent conflict while I'm with you and our son, who was pretty young at the time. And that guy was indicating to me, this is not a good place for you. And he wasn't doing it as a threat. He was doing it as basically another human being Go, dude, I, I wouldn't be there if I were you. And women seem to struggle with this, and it's not just, that's a trust thing. Like, she just trusts that people are good. But in, in general, just kind of like I was talking about, you know, going through your purse for your keys at your car while you've got your door open. Classic setup for a criminal. The guys wait for this. Why do you think some women struggle with situational awareness, and what do you do to try to break through that? Well, you had some great points. I, I think they struggle with it because a lot of women are actually in denial. I think they, they don't think anything will happen to them. And um, I think this busy culture that we have, everybody's so busy on their phone, they're just, they're into themselves. Um, you know, and, and how I break this is actually I do a half-hour course before I even teach anybody how to use a gun, and it's all in situational awareness and um, verbal defenses, and then I do some Krav Maga. But um, I, I think this is key because if, you're situationally, if your situational awareness is up, then you can stay out of so many violent crimes or, you know, um, I just I teach women that they, they have to watch where they're going. They have to watch hands and eyes. Um, I actually do Cooper's color codes with the women. I, I think that's awesome and, and kind of show them, you know, what stage white is and how acting like a sheep will get them into trouble. I think it's interesting when you look at some of the studies, the 1984 Grayson Stein study, they actually showed a video to violent criminals, thousands of violent criminals, and in less than seven seconds, they all picked out the same target, the same victims. Hmm. And and the study is very interesting because they were surprised that they picked out some men to attack and they didn't pick out petite women. And it all comes down to uh, the fact that the way they walk, so People who are not paying attention, they're looking down, they're slow walkers are a huge target. You've got to walk with purpose. You have to have your head up. You have to be looking around. Um, just teaching the women this, that the way you walk, the way you act can keep you from being a target because if, 
all these criminals, if you get into the mind of these criminals, they want the easiest prey that is possibly there. And their number one fear is um, failure. So they're going to go for the easiest person. And if you're an easy target, you're going to be a victim. I, I completely agree with that. Um, and I like some of the things that, that we've done is to try to make games out of it. So like whenever we're going somewhere where we go all the time and we're going to take a route that we've been through a hundred times before, we'll have a challenge for each of us to spot one thing that we've never mentioned that we've noticed before, like uh, something leaning against a fence or something like that. And that just keys the mind in on paying attention. I think that, I think that that little exercise alone, if people would add it to what they're doing every day, um, especially when they go places with others where you can kind of compare notes on something like that, really helps. We've also done it from a preparedness standpoint, like spot one resource that we could use if if it we're in a grid down long term disaster between here and the you know the grocery store, uh, and you can't say the grocery store. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that little type of thing like that makes it a little bit more fun. And I think with, with women, sometimes maybe you need that because, again, you got that denial thing. Like, who would really want to hurt me? Right. Because the answer is there's a whole freaking long line of them right now. Um, right. You know, there's a place called prison that many of them are in. Unfortunately, you know, I think there's a lot of people in that prison that are there for stupid stuff like drug possession. And that's that's had a lot of people that are actually violent criminals released early. Right. So anyway, um, how can you, like, we talked about the criminal picking out the victim. In your training, do you teach women to flip that around and pick out the person that's potentially the thug, so to speak? Absolutely. And, and this is interesting because most people think they can pick out the thug, you know, the guy in the hoodie. And I, I always tell them, well, that, that's a piece of cake. But I'm more worried about the guy who's in a suit. You know, um, these these predators are actually chameleons. And um, Bill Oliver was actually a psychiatrist at a supermax prison for 20 years. And he he studied these violent prisoners. And he, he said that that predators are shadow figures um, and the devil doesn't look like the devil at all. A lot of a lot of times these people are very charming and, you know, they will come up to you and ask you a question and then. And then, boom, you know, they target you. I mean, look at Ted Bundy. He was incredibly charming and attractive. So so I think that blows their mind when I, sh- when I tell them that the predator doesn't always look like a thug. The last, the last rape that I just heard about was actually a man um, dressed in a suit. And um, he it was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in a parking garage. And he tried to push this woman into her car. And she resisted. She, she fought like mad. And... He actually stuck a 10-inch knife into her abdomen and mm. kept trying to shove her in the car. And she clawed his eyes out and just kept fighting and fighting and fighting and hoping somebody would come. But he ended up giving up, and he, in, in a very casual voice, said to her, you are you're lucky you're a fighter. And, um, you know, I, I think they just, they're shocked when I tell them that these predators are in suits, too. Yeah, and with the rape thing, the most classic example of a guy getting what he deserved I ever heard of was on one of the daytime TV shows. It might have been Oprah, I don't know, something my wife was watching. And there was an old lady. This is where people think, like, only the pretty woman gets attacked, too, and stuff like this. It was an old lady, an old black lady. She was probably, like, 75 years old, and some guy broke into her house, and she feigned compliance. She basically said, I'll let you do whatever you want. And when he went to do what he was going to do, I'll just put it this way. She grabbed one set of things and one other thing and twisted and pulled in the opposite direction. Wow, awesome. And it worked really, really well. The guy, she said, was screaming, please let me go. I'm going to die. And she was telling him, you just die. Um, (laughs) He was like, fine, just call the cops, do anything. But she's, please let go of me. Yeah. And by the time she finally let him go, he, he literally crawled out of her house. Awesome. Could not stand up. Uh, certain things were not quite fully attached anymore, and the police took 30 minutes to get there. Exactly. And because he had left, so they weren't really worried. Well, of course, she had the whole house locked up and all, but they found him about 14, 15 yards from her front door, but he wasn't a threat anymore. He was in the fetal position in the bushes. <laughs> um, so that if you ever are unfortunately in that situation and are not armed, that might be a good thing for women to know. But that's another example. Like I think some women think, well, that's not that no one's going to do this to me. Right. And this is just some old lady sitting in her house. 
Right. You know, and it, it, I think that the, I think that people struggle with the fact that you know you you are a target by the fact that you exist. Right. And I and the other thing I run into with some of my friends, you know, I guess they're just college friends, but they're kind of anti-gun and and they say, you know, well, I'm not really sure why you're you're doing this and you don't really need a gun. And, and I say, well, what would you do if some guy on meth busts through your door and comes into your house? Yeah. I said, well, how are you going to protect yourself? And they usually say, well, I'm just, I'm just going to cry and beg for my life. And I said, guess what? <laughs> that is, that is dead wrong because actually when these criminals are interviewed, the more submissive you are, actually the more they will hurt you. Absolutely. So, the only answer is to fight and to fight like hell. And, um, and that's, that's what I teach all of them. And, and if you have a mindset of not getting into somebody's car, if somebody puts a gun to your head and you're in public and you know ahead of time, you know, I'm not supposed to go in their car because I'm probably not coming back. It's good to know that stuff ahead of time, what you would do, because then you you can actually act if it ever happens to you. Absolutely. Um, it, it it also I think the people that would say well like why would the meth when you said meth it just brought this back why would the meth guy come into my house one night when we lived in Arkansas we had our place at the end of the road we had some neighbors up the road from us we had a gate there um, about ten thirty on a Thursday night there's a vehicle sitting out there with high beams on just sitting at the gate and uh, I'm like well that's that's just not nobody comes up here and does that. So I go and I get the dog on the harness, and I've got my carbine across my chest, and I've got my tack light, and I went through the woods and came up on a 45-degree angle behind the car, lit the car up, and said, can I help you? Um, Two Hispanic gentlemen, I'm not reading anything into that other than nobody up there that lived up there is Hispanic. Okay. So that clearly identifies you as you you don't live here. Right. Um, And I said, who are you looking for? And they said, well, we're here to see Perryman, which was the last name of my neighbor's. I, and just that did not like I had people show up all the time to see them and would know who they are. And we, you know, it was kind of a thing. We'd let each other in and stuff. And uh, I, but something just didn't seem right about that at all. So I said, what Perryman? Oh, I don't know his first name. Oh, nice. Oh, really? You don't know his first name? Well, I don't think you'll be getting in here. And the guy's looking back and I'm armed and I've got this huge 140 pound German shepherd <laughs> rallying uh, and I'm back in the woods. And he, they, you know, and the guy's finally like, um. Well, uh, could you open the gate so I can turn around? Oh, boy. Uh, no. So I melted back into the darkness. Um, I figured I had exposed myself enough and made my wishes clear and uh, observed them from where they couldn't see me. And they did about a 99-point turn to turn around on the road because it is very, very dark and hard to see uh, where they were at and managed to get themselves back down the road. Well, I talked to uh, my neighbor, and he says, you know what? They were looking for my brother. Okay. He says, yeah, I haven't talked to my brother in about 20 years, but he's, he deals meth. Oh, boy. All right. So what that was is a couple guys looking for a meth score, which certainly sometimes turns wrong because they figure the dealer has money. Right. Targeting the wrong person. So there's why the meth guy might kick your door in. Exactly. Because he's got the wrong house. Cops do it. If yep. cops do it, right? Right. The guy that's keyed up on meth, it's an idiot. He's more than capable of doing it, too. Right. And and there's there's so much drug use going on right now too. It's just it's insane. It's sad. You know, can we talk a little bit more? Because I know you train people on this, how not to look like the victim. What in your experience with all of these years? What is it that you know? You know, like you said, slow walking. But are some other triggers that key a predator in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking down, um, not looking people in the eye when you when you see somebody that is scaring you a little bit, you need to look them straight in the eyes and you need to say, I see you, basically. Yep. Um, another thing is, you know, don't have so much stuff in your hands so you can't fight. And and for, especially for women, don't be wearing these high heels that you can barely walk. I, they look nice and everything, but, oh. you know, bring a pair of tennis shoes, put the tennis shoes on when you're walking and when you get to your restaurant, you know, take your high heels out. I mean, there's some very simple things that you can do. Um, and then also I, I, um, I teach the women how to read the body language of a predator because I'm sure, as you know, 90% of all communication is body language. 
So if you see someone just staring at you and they don't take your eye, their eyes off, they don't blink, they just stare at you, um, that's one sign that they're ready to attack. And if they're clenching their jaw or, or clenching and unclenching their fists, you know, it's, it's pretty likely that they might attack. Um, so another thing I teach is, is just to really don't let anybody in your, your space. Just have a danger zone and don't let anyone in that space. If they get close, you need to put your hand up and tell them to stop. What I've always tried to teach people is to understand the point at which an assault has begun. Okay. Because I think people think that you have to be touched to be assaulted. Right. If if someone's in your that space you're talking about, that personal space, and you've made it clear that they need to exit that personal space, and they have yet to exit that personal space after you requested it, at, in my view, at that point, they've begun an assault on your person. Now, Absolutely. you can't be ridiculous with this. You're on a, uh, a subway, and everybody's crowded. You're like, dude, back off. But... In the in the where the the option is clearly there to not be in your space, and a person refuses to exit that space. At that point, every sector of alert needs to go on in in your person, and you need to be prepared to defend yourself, and you need to be extricating yourself from that. And I think a lot of people get into that spot, and they're uncomfortable, and their gut tells them there's something wrong, but they don't want to be mean, they don't want to be judgmental, they don't want to be you know what have you. Um, Whereas no person that doesn't mean to take something from you, whether even if it's just emotional uh, attack, refuses to exit space when you've kind of made it clear you don't want them in there. That's, right. that's a predatory maneuver. Yes. And, and I, think, I think, like you said, I think most people are paranoid. They, they feel stupid that, well, how could I think that someone's actually going to attack me or not. But I agree with you 100%. Trust your gut. And I say that to women. Absolutely trust your gut. I think it's interesting that we are, humans are 99.9999, and we're probably going to forget a nine there, percent energy, you know, versus the small amount of matter that we are. So when you when you feel something, I think you're picking up somebody's energy, you know, that they're going to do something bad to you. So trust your gut. And it's better to be paranoid and alive um, you know, than than uh, not paranoid and dead or hurt. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's it's like, well, people are afraid to say that someone was a black person now because they'll be labeled a racist. Right. Right, where that, that's nonsense. I mean, if you've asked me for a description of somebody, telling you the color of their skin is as important as telling you the color of their hair. Um, and I think that it's that hypersensitivity to not want to look like you're being, you know, it makes me think there was, a, there was an old story. It's kind of funny one where this lady was like freaking out in an elevator with these two big black guys that had tattoos and all. And it, 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 she was clearly upset and, and worried. It was some, I think it was like a hotel in Atlantic City. And um, the guys noticed it and they ended up sending her like, I don't know, like flowers or something and like confident room. It was Scotty Pippen from oh, the wow. Chicago Bulls and some other basketball player. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that stereotypical, you, you're afraid of somebody just because of how they look. Right. I, I don't think that that's the same as being afraid or knowing something's wrong by the way a person's acting. Right. I agree. And I think people need to trust the gut, the instinct inside. Um, hunters know this. I, I don't know. I know you've you know, had a lot of experience with guns, but I don't know if you've ever hunted but when you're, especially if you're like archery hunting, where it's a very close personal thing with an animal, um, and you're sitting in, on a stand, eventually you start, you can, you hear your own heartbeat, you, you feel things, and then when there's going to be a deer show up, you don't hear it, you don't smell it, you don't see it, you just know, and then it's there, right. and and that is a very human thing, predator prey thing, and I think that's in all people. We've buried it, but if you trust it, I think it can save your life. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how do you feel that all of this is affected by things like a declining economy, uh, natural disasters with looters and things like that? Um, well, I, I think, you know, I think the government just released that there's a 15 percent increase in crime just this last year. But I, th I found it interesting that in October of 2013, I think 1.6 million, a little over that, applied for gun ownership or applied to get a gun. And I think it was 49,000 signed up for Obamacare. You know, wow. it's just, it's interesting. I, I think the declining economy always brings violent crimes. And 
unfortunately, we have a society now that that they just people, looters are unbelievable. Whenever there's a natural nat, natural disaster, they come out of the woodwork to steal and do all sorts of things. And that's why I think it's very very important for women to know how to use a gun because what if the grid goes down and you know their neighbor can't feed their kids for a week or more or you know who's going to show up at their door and um it'd be nice if they had extra food and everything but i don't think a lot of people are like that so i i think just the i think violence around the world is is really increasing and i think there was a poll the other day i just saw on drudge that 60% of Americans are angry. So that, hmm. that's kind of sad. Well, and anger is often a catalyst uh, for violence. Right. In fact, it almost all, there are people that are violent methodically. Uh, the professional violent individual, who's, that's a horrible thing to think of, but we do have those. But in many instances, um, people do things they normally wouldn't do when certain things trigger. Um, Everybody, I think, is aware of the phenomenon of, of flight, where a, a guy is having an argument with his girlfriend. He never really, at that point, was going to hit her or beat her or hurt her, uh, but he grabs her when she tries to leave, and she starts freaking out. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, he's, he's beat, beat her to death. Yeah. And it, it's something strange that, that causes people to go over. And stress from, from, from poor economics and general outrage um, are catalysts for that type of violent behavior. I think so too. I just, I just don't think we can take our safety for granted anymore. I mean, we, we don't take our, our health for granted and, you know, people are more interested in what they're going to wear and how they look and how well that their NFL teams that, you know, did, but they're just not thinking about, um, you know, that child trafficking is even going on, you know, all around us and, seems like they don't care about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it does seem like people are apathetic to the very things that are most important anymore. Uh, I noticed something in, in, in your stuff. You talk about, and I found this interesting, um, you call it a trilogy of gun ownership. Sounds very much like something I say all the time, a triangle of gun operator proficiency. And I think we have the same three things there, the ammo, the guns, and the training. Um, why do you think training is a critical part of, of, of personal preparedness as a whole? Because I, I think training is very important because you always revert to your lowest level of training. So if you if you have a gun and you have ammo, but you've never you've never loaded it, you've never used it, what's going to happen when somebody breaks down the door and your your heart rate is so high that your fine motor skills, even your gross motor skills, aren't working? Um, I think you have training is just so important. Well, it, it's exactly what you were talking about, right? You ended up in a scenario where you felt very threatened and froze. Right. I absolutely froze. I did because I, I had no, I had a lot of training with guns and saying, stop, I have a gun. Well, that's pretty easy when your gun's already out and you're mm -hmm. not in public and you're just on the range and you're just pretending. Yeah. But what happens when you have to pull it out of your purse? I, you know, or what happens I, I now carry my gun on me because I, I think that's a lot easier to get to my gun when it's on me versus at the bottom of my purse. But, um, yeah, I mean. The bottom of the purse is the <laughs> ultimate lost place for all things. Right. Um, I, I just don't think anybody should be carrying their, their gun in their purse. And I know somebody's going to tell me they've got this great concealed carry purse with the place. Where they, and I think that's a better thing than just sticking it in there. But I still think that. There's no, there's no, um, there's no better option. There's no replacement for the for the gun being in contact with your body, because yeah. the fact that it's in contact with your body keeps you aware of the fact that it's there, yeah. and it's a more natural thing to 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 get your hands onto something that some other portion of your body is already into contact with. Right. Yeah, and like you said, just just having that gun on you makes you aware of all your surroundings too and that you have it and why why do you have it because you need to be aware you know and i think no matter how much training we do that that need to reach for pull and deploy a weapon takes time yes and, and that's why i think it's really important that you've added you know some martial arts training to what you're doing as well 
I think that a lot of people carry a gun and they, you know, there's the old joke, you know, what martial art do you, do you know? And it's nine mil jitsu. And there's a <laughs> point to that, right? You yeah. know, but if I don't know how to break contact so that I can deploy that gun and I, you know, and, and I'm dealing with someone stronger than me and no matter who you are, there's somebody stronger than you. That gun can easily be taken away from you or turned back on you. You have to have that ability to break contact and know how to move. And I also consider if you're really a good operator with a handgun or a carbine or any, a shotgun, I don't care what, it actually is a martial art. It's no different than when you go to a martial arts training and eventually you learn how to use a weapon like a, a sword or a bowkin or a bow staff. It's an extension of the hand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and gun training should take some of those components into it. That the gun is a weapon, but it's only one of your many weapons. Right. Yeah, I I think, yeah, you know, we go over the tooler drill, too, and um, we have a little Nerf gun for all the women because whether they're going to shoot pepper spray or taser or, or whatever they're going to do, I like to show them that from 21 feet, someone can get to them in 1.5 seconds, and that's they have to be really good to pull anything out and to actually, you know, hit someone with it. Um and so I like to I like to teach them that you have to move, you have to get off of the X, and then you have to know how to use your hands and and how to hurt somebody. And um, a thing that I I just signed up for recently is Total Focus Training by Tim Larkin, and I think it's kind of a he he teaches a lot of interesting things of how to really disable somebody with your bare hands. You know, on the you mentioned pepper spray. It's something that I'm a very big believer in, and and what I tell, especially women, even if you're armed, uh, to carry that as well. And I'm I'm a big fan as long as you test it and get rid of it about twice a year. Right. Of carrying it on a keychain, and when you're anywhere that you could possibly you know be walking through a parking lot, any of the higher risk areas, it should be in your hands. It should be, yeah. Right. That way, your keys are out first of all, so you're not jacking around with your car. But second of all, if somebody does assault you, um, there's the rare exception of the guy that gets hit with it and, you know, doesn't respond to it or whatever. And somebody always says, I knew a special forces guy that put it on his MREs. Well, I put Tabasco sauce on my MREs, <laughs> and I don't want Tabasco sauce in my eyes. But that blast of that, even if more force is necessary, generally that'll break contact enough for you to respond in some other way. Right. And um, it's unfortunate. There was a, a, I think it was called Spitfire or Surefire. There was a brand that I was really a fan of the ergonomics of how it was built. It was designed so that you would hold it almost like you would hold a pencil if you were, you know, pointing the eraser with your thumb on the eraser. And instead of squeezing down, you pushed forward. I wrote the company a few times and never heard anything back, and my request was, why don't you make this with a metal case? Because it was a plastic case, mm-hmm. and there was an insert that you could replace, but the plastic would inevitably strip out, and it would fall apart. Okay. But the ergonomics of that were perfect, and I think that, that when somebody's looking to carry something like that, they need to not just, well, I've got it. They need to think about how they're going to carry it and how it would be deployed and become familiar with it just like you would a weapon. Right. And and also some of these pepper sprays are so tiny that oh yeah probably not even enough to stop someone anyway. So I you know I teach them that they should get the larger size of pepper yeah. spray instead of these cute little tiny pink things. I'm a huge fan of Cold Steel's Inferno. Yeah, I am too. Uh, that stuff works, and it's got a little bit of black pepper in it, which causes a sneeze reaction. Yeah. So when it hits the guy in the face. The first thing that happens is he has this incredible need to inhale through his nose, and it all goes in there. And uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the, the stuff on their DVD of people that have volunteered to be sprayed with it. They bring in great big giant martial arts fighters and stuff, yeah. and they all end up with their face in a bucket laying on the ground <laughs> being headed to by EMTs. And I, I, you know, I think that's another thing that could save a lot of lives. And yeah. I think it's important... Uh, for many women, because I think even if they do train, there's a lot of, and I think this is true of men too, there's a lot of people out there that when the time comes, it's not just a matter of freezing, that even if they can act, there are a lot of people that when faced with it will not take another life. Right. And I'd rather them have another alternative if they're going to, I, you know, my view is you aggress on me to the point where I feel I'm threatened or someone around me is threatened, you're getting a trip and a, and a free membership in the Dirt Nap Society. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. But I know there's a lot of people that, you know, it, it, they, they'll think they'll do it, but when they're faced with it, they won't. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to take the life of another human being. 
it, it really is, but I mean, and it, you know, I guess you don't know what you're going to do until you actually are faced with it. But I just, I know, you know, if that man would have attacked me, I would have fought like hell against him, but there's no way I'm going to sit and let somebody do something to me. And, and I don't know if it's just inside of you or, or if, you know, you, if you can train people to learn how to act that way, but um, I think it's an important survival skill. I think it's intrinsic to human beings, but I think that the further disconnected you are from it, the harder it is to find it when you need it. Right. But I think most people, when they really accept that this could be, this could be death for me if I don't fight, will find it and use it. The problem is the psychological delay. And are you too far into the situation to be able to fight back? And that's why I think it's very important that people keep this heightened sense of awareness. And it's not walking around ready to shoot somebody or ready to beat somebody up. Right. It's walking around with an understanding of there's certain, there's certain agreed upon rules in society. And that's what I was talking about with people not understanding, like, you're being assaulted and you don't even, you don't, you haven't even acknowledged that fact yet. Right. Because I've, I've said, I want you out of my space. I mean, I've had it with people that I knew were no legitimate threat that were being evangelists. I had one guy in a mall that was trying to save me from myself and teach me about Jesus. <laughs> and then he wanted to pray with me. And I'm like, dude, I don't do that. I don't pray in public. Please leave me alone. Yeah. And he was right into my space and he said, well, I'm going to pray over you. Wow. And, and my response is, dude, I don't want to hurt you. But if you don't get out of my space, somebody's going to be praying over you. Right. Um, and, and my wife was very upset about that. And all. I'm like, there's a certain point at which when one human being, because, you, you know, I believed that that guy was legitimate. There's no way to really know that, though. Mm-hmm. And when someone's in that, that, again, that personal space and won't exit when asked to, you have to take it seriously. Right. And it, you know what's so hard with women? Women are taught, I mean, ever since you're a little girl to be nice and yeah. and to always say yes. And so it's so hard for women to say no. If somebody comes up and says, excuse me, but can I get the time? It's really hard for women to say no, you know, back off. You're in my space. You know, so I I think we have to do a lot of training with women with that because they just, they just want to, it's innate in them to be nice. I know my wife, every time we look at a car, if we think about buying a new vehicle, she always says, the salesman was so nice. <laughs> of course he's nice. He's trying to sell you a car. Almost like we should have a sense of obligation to make a decision to purchase from this person because they were nice. Right. And that's emo- like you're talking about driven by emo- That's an emotional thing. I'm like, I'm logical. I want to know how many miles to the gallon does it get. Will the guy that's a jerk down the road sell it to me for 10% less? Because I'll buy from the jerk. Exactly. I'll, I'll, I don't care if he's nice. I care about the car. I'm going to talk to him for about 15 minutes, sign a contract, and walk away and never see that guy again. In most instances, but I'm going to live with the car for a long time. So I'm worried about the car. She's worried about the guy being nice. (laughs) The differences between men and women, right? Yeah, absolutely. So your husband on men and women, your husband's a big gun guy. What's his take on your uh, business venture? Actually, he is so excited. And um, if if he wasn't behind me 100%, I wouldn't be doing it. Actually, he's been listening to you since your Jetta days. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's a huge fan of yours, and, and I can. We're doing a lot of stuff that you've um, taught us, but I'll, I'll tell you about that later. But he um, he's been he's been my biggest you know fan so far, and, and he helps me with my powerpoints and helps me with my information. And he's the one who always wants to get more training out here, and so um, he's just he's very excited. Interestingly enough, right before I was about to launch the business, um, he broke his back. And and then my daughter also broke her femur, my five-year-old daughter. Um, and so I almost bailed, and I thought, you know, I've, I've got a lot on my plate. I don't know if I should be doing this. Um, and then I had to do all the, the farm chores and everything else. But he kept saying, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. And so he's extremely supportive. How's he doing now? It's a serious thing to break your back. Yeah, he's, he's doing awesome. Um, it was eight tough weeks where he was bedridden and um, – but he's he's 100% now. He didn't need surgery or anything, so he's doing oh, really great. well. Yeah, you hear somebody with a back problem, it, it, it's concerning. It can be life-altering. Right. So you guys have actually, you know, you say he's been listening a long time. I know you guys have taken the, the preparedness pledge. Do you, like, even move from city life to a homestead and all? 
Yeah, we uh, we actually moved 15 miles out of town, um, and we're living on our our husband's property. They had a big cattle ranch out here, um, but um, we have a organic vineyard. We have organic farms. We have 29 organic chickens that we feed fodder to every day, thanks to you. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Did it's you do my awesome. bucket thing? What? Did you do my bucket thing? Yes, we're doing it's your bucket. It works, doesn't it? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it, it works. It's awesome. I mean, everything works really well. And um, I, I wouldn't want to try to feed like three hundred chickens that way. I would no, but but a small flock, it's easy. Right. It's just it's really a great way of life. And a lot of people kind of make fun of us, and they're like, and they say, "Why do you want to make extra work for yourself?" But it is it is the best way of life. And I feel like we are we are raising our kids um, with some wonderful life skills and you know we don't watch very much tv at all we do a lot of reading and we just do a lot of things outside um john and i have planted lots of trees and um doing the permaculture that you talk about and it's we're very very happy i've I've actually never been happier and i feel like i can really think out here i felt when i go back to town i feel kind of cluttered and everything's too close and um so we're pretty happy it is interesting that if you leave the city behind, when you go there, it's not comfortable anymore at all. And I don't think it's just that you're not used to it anymore. I think that it's because it's not a normal way to live. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's, what were those books, 1984, and they didn't want anybody to go out to the country. And um, yeah, there's just something about going to the country that really, really opens up your mind, I think, and your soul. Well, we, we've been talking for a long time. We haven't really talked much about your 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 training classes and your website and all. It's it's prettyloaded dot org, right? Right. So what what's what's with the pretty loaded? <laughs> I'm, I kind of I kind of have a funny personality, and um, when I was I actually was think I think of come up with businesses and ideas all the time, but I I don't ever do it myself because I'm so busy with the four girls, but. Um, so I came up with, with Pretty Loaded because I wanted something feminine. But then um, I also wanted um, something about guns. So I came up with that, and it means uh, loaded in Webster's Dictionary means equipped with um, an abundance of, uh, abundance of options and staffed with excellent players. And I thought it was kind of clever, so that's why I stuck, stuck to it. Well, I like the pretty part, though, too, because I think that I think one of the ways that you get women involved with things like this is to understand, like, you don't have to give up the, the feminine parts of yourself or the uh, the, the part that, that cares what kind of makeup you wear or whatever. I might not care, but I understand that you do. Right. And I, I think there's kind of a message there in that, so I kind of like it. Good. Thank you. Talk about some of the like the classes you have. Like, I'm looking right now on your website right here. You have one that's not really about shooting it's it's a situational awareness and self-defense mindset class right and and that's the first class that everybody has to take um oh so you require that class before yeah i require that i think it's so important to know you know when it when is it a real threat i mean to teach them all that before they just pull out their gun and shoot someone or pull out their taser um so so that's the first class and then we have um then we have a gun class um, where they'll be very proficient with uh, shooting a pistol. And then we have a home um, safety course. And then we have um, some NRA classes also, courses also. Awesome. So on the uh, on this, this, this like, yeah, I guess you'd call it your entry-level course, your situational awareness and self-defense mindset course, um, do you think that maybe that is a real opportunity for, let's say, a lady that has, has figured this out and got it and has a girlfriend that doesn't, who thinks the guns are a dangerous thing and say, you know, come along to the class like this. We're, we're not even going to touch a gun. Right. This class. And, and that actually becomes kind of like almost like a gateway drug to self-defense type of thing where yeah. I say, you know, garden is a great way, gateway drug to prepping. Um, I think that, that that can work the same way. Yeah. And, and um, so far it's, it's really taken off. And actually we just got hired by a corporate company um in town with a with a hundred employees and um we're going to be teaching for 45 minutes and it's actually uh, most of them are men but we're going to be talking about situational awareness as a business traveler um and so we're really really excited about that i I think that's huge um 
for years, that was exactly what I did. I traveled the country um, as a as a VP of sales. Okay. And you end up in some, you know, in a parking lot at Newark Airport uh, at 3 a.m. And, you know, there were plenty of females doing the same type of job I was that end up in that same situation. And, you know, Newark is like one of the murder capitals of the of the country. Yeah. Um, they actually have I it's it's almost funny, but it's sad. Um, there's a there was a billboard in uh, in Newark that said stop stop the murders in Newark. Like it's just a big black and white billboard, <laughs> you know, so that's the kind of thing that I think is really important because I think. We've been talking a lot about this from a, a female perspective, but from a male perspective, I think it can flip the other way. Yeah. So women get this whole, no one's going to want to hurt me anything, and men get, no one's going to hurt me. Right. Um, but trust me, when it's when it's five guys and you're alone, and that's how criminals think, especially when they are going to take out a guy, you, you, I don't care who you are, you've got a problem there. Right. I, um, I've been reading some of Brian Black's ITS tactical um some of his st- stories and I think, I think he's awesome. He's given me an, a lot of ideas for business travelers. Yeah. He yeah. Really nice he's a very good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, he, he, he knows what he's talking about and he's working with some great people. Um, I'll give you an example of some of the things that we've seen with training we've done. And actually Brian was at this, this, uh, this training. It wasn't really a training. It was, we were doing some videos for a martial arts DVD and we had two very big guys. One was a uh, amateur uh, mixed martial arts fighter. Um, I don't know how many places he had been, but he had like 20 fights. He was undefeated. So this is a tough guy, mm-hmm. uh, fighting heavyweight class. And uh, another guy that was a former lineman for Texas A&M, big big dude. And we got the two of them, you know, kind of keyed up and and a little bit, you know, ego going on and all. And I said, I don't want anybody to hurt anybody. I want you guys to. You know, you get into a conflict like, you know, you were in a bar and he looked at your girl or you bumped into him and said you were sorry, but he didn't believe you. And now there's so they start doing the pushing and shoving around and we make people in these trainings wear black. Okay. And we don't tell them why. We just make them wear black. So I had a a very large uh, rubber training knife coated on both sides of the blade with white chalk. And while they're doing it, I proceeded to draw a white line with this knife across both of their kidneys. Wow. And walked away. And when they were done, I they still didn't know what happened because they wow. were all into their thing. Yeah. And I had them pull their shirt around and look at it. And I'm like, you're both dead because you're stupid. Right. Because That's- the the con the concept that somebody else would get involved with that was just like, no, I'm just two big guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that both the frail woman and the big guy can learn from that because it's not going to always even be that obvious. Right. And I think there's just like that is what's missing from a lot of the the self defense training. All these martial arts things, people rolling around on the ground. I'm like, if you you got to learn how to do that because you could end up down there. But boy, don't go down to the ground by choice because somebody's buddy walks over and steps on your head, and yeah. you're so vulnerable in that situation. And bringing real world things to these training is is critically important. One of the other things we would do, we tra- did a lot of training. This was with this this thing I just told you about was with. Uh, Valerie Asinov is a former Special Forces guy from uh, the Russian Special Forces, Speknok. Uh, and one of the things they'll do is when you're doing force-on-force training with Airsoft, you know, you've got an opponent, you're being shot at, you're using cover, concealment, and standing at a different angle where they can see you is this big Russian guy with a freaking five-gallon bucket full of tennis balls. <laughs> and whizzing them at like 70 miles an hour at your head. <laughs> so that you have to react. Yeah. Right. And to put some because, you know, if you get hit with a pellet from an airsoft gun, it's not really going to kill you. It's not even going to hurt that much. So you are going to be a lot more confident and and function a lot better than you would in a real conflict. So they bring these elements in Mm -hmm. to, like, put some reality in it, because when you get hit in the face with a tennis ball, it freaking hurts. Right. No one wants that. I don't. It hurts bad. Exactly. (laughs) So um, I, I think it's great what you're doing, and I, I love that you are, are taking this aspect of training women, you know, using women to train women. I think that is, uh, I think you can get things done that men can't in the industry. I, I really do. I think that that women will trust another women woman on things like this before a man because they have this stereotype of the male. Well, of course you think that you're a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, where can more people where, where can more people where can people learn more about what you're doing? Um, actually, they can just go to prettyloaded.org, and um, 
and that's where we're at. That's our website. And and just real quick here, uh, I'm on your site. This isn't just you. You have uh, kind of a team there. Uh, I do, and and actually, this is interesting. Um, both of the women that are working with me are are babysitters, and when I when I um, told them about the business, they said they wanted to. You know, I taught both of them how to shoot, and they said they would love to assist me with it. And so um, we trained really hard for a long time, and we all became NRA instructors. So I um. I, th- I thought it was very important when I left my home to leave my children with somebody who also knew how to use a gun because I didn't think it was right to just leave my kids, you know, for part of the day or for a couple hours with somebody who who doesn't know how to use a gun. So um, they're both great girls. So you got the entrepreneur brain going in me now. I'm thinking you set up a babysitting service. All of our exactly. sitters are armed. Max babysitters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's, so uh, Miranda and Kristen are awesome, and um, I'm glad to have them on my team. Wow, that's that's great. Um, Beth, I loved having you on today. Again, folks, the website is prettyloaded.org. If you ever want to come back on for another discussion, just get with us, and uh, and we'll bring you back. Thank you, Jack. All right, folks. With t- with that, this has been Jack Spearco today, along with Beth Beth Warford, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, and we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Revolution is you